0: Welcome to Run Your Mouth, I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is two-time American record holder, Kira D'Amato, fresh off a runner-up finish at the U.S. 25K Championships in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Kira has personal bests of 107.55 for the half marathon and 219.12 for the full, breaking the 16-year-old American record in the latter in January in Houston. For those of you who don't know, Kira has an incredible personal story as a mom and realtor who walked away from the sport for nearly a decade before coming back in her mid-30s and running faster than ever before, going from racing local road races for fun to becoming one of Nike's top pros. We covered a lot of really interesting ground in this episode, including the hesitation to turn pro, the value of authenticity, and how much life has changed for her in the past few years. We also cleared up some funny rumors from the 25k champs, and Kira explained why she's not racing the 10,000 meter championship at Preet. Of course, we also got into binge-watching, beer miles, and her hot takes on donuts. This episode is brought to you by Hayward Magic and the Sidious Mag Summer of Hayward. As we get closer and closer to the National Merle Championships in Eugene, there will be so many interesting and fun storylines to follow and so many athletes to root for, and the Sidious Mag team will be there every step of the way. You can learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward. Please rate, review, subscribe. Would love to see some five stars in the ratings on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the episode. Awesome. Well, welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for long-talking runners. I'm here this week with a uh, very overdue guest, uh, full-time podcaster, part-time runner, <laughs> uh, recent American record holder, Kira Motto. How's it going?
1: Hey, it's going good. Yeah, thanks for having me on so we could both run our mouths together.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I said this uh, off the bat, but just to set the intention, uh, you, were, you were a little concerned that uh, You've been on a lot of pods lately, and I'm committing right now to the listeners that we will cover new ground uh, for as much of this episode as we can.
1: Yeah, when you ask me, I'm like, people don't want to hear from me anymore. They've heard, they've heard what I got (laughs) to say. They're done with me. No one needs to hear from me anymore.
0: Well, I'm sure uh, that is uh, usually a good sign because I think it's the people who think that the world constantly needs to hear from them that are maybe the people you least need to hear from.
1: Well, it's good uh, to see you again. We just saw each other this past weekend. That was nice. To, I think that might have been well our second time I think seeing each other in person.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to keep track with uh with all of the um you know uh the strangeness of our quickly changing world. Because I was actually just thinking, um, I think actually I don't know if we chatted at the time, but uh, way back in 2020 at the 10K race that John put on. Um, I was the, the stream announcer uh, for that one. Uh, and, uh, I, I feel like we were, you were shooting with Aisha. So like, I remember that part, but I can't remember. I honestly can't remember if we,
1: I feel like we met just briefly then. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first time that I saw you. I'm like, Oh my God, there he is
0: (laughs) (laughs) way back in the day. Um, but yeah, so obviously, you know, coming off this weekend, um, for, for those who don't know, it was, it was a hot and uh, sweaty one. out there in, in Grand Rapids um, and, and you finished uh, second in the the women's race um, behind Alephine. And uh, honestly, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, since I guess we didn't have a stream for it, is there was a rumor that uh, you had a bottle mishap that, that somehow Alephine got wrapped into. What, what happened there?
1: So yeah, a lot of people took uh... A lot of people are saying that I waited for her because she she, we ran past the bottles and she missed her. She didn't grab her. So she ran back. And so the rumor that they said at the awards ceremony was I graciously waited for her to get her bottle, come back. And then we started running together that people are giving me way too much credit. And I, I love that people assume I'm, you know, have really good sportsmanship. But when it happened, you know, and I'll preface all of this, that like, I go into almost every race and thinking like, if there was a moment in the run that I have to choose between being a good person or a good runner, I'm going to go for a good person. So like in my heart, if there is something that happens, that's bigger than running, it's bigger than running, you know? So I'll preface everything with that. And so when she went back, my first, like, I hesitated and i was like is this that moment and i'm like no she just forg- she could have kept running there's more water bottles so like i hesitated for a second and turned around like to see what she was doing and then i was like we're on american record pace and this is alephine like she's gonna be fine so i like i turned and i was like come on alephine let's go and then i like just went so i went like try to get back on pace and we were dangerously close to the American record at that time. So I ran maybe hundred meters and I turned back and I saw her trying to catch me. And so I was like, come on Alfie you got this catch back up. So I was encouraging, but I don't want for a second to take away from Alephine is an incredible, fierce competitor. She left her bottle, ran back on it and still caught up to me. So I don't want to take anything away from her. She was even saying, oh, that was so nice of Kira to wait for me. I was not waiting for her. Like I once I knew she was OK, I went. And then even when she caught up to me, I was thinking, great. Now her legs are a little fried because she had to work really hard to engage. So I was like, now probably a pretty good time to like really keep this pace honest. So I even like surged a little bit ahead, which I think she crushed me that day. So it probably didn't feel to her like I was trying to make a move there. But um I don't know. I'm a really nice person, but it was also a race. So, and I really I don't want to take any credit because she had a crazy surge. She caught back up and then she crushed me. So, I really like all credit to Alephine in this and really like, yeah, I'm a nice person, but like in racing, like I'm a competitor. So, I was trying to beat her. I, there was no way I was letting her win that day. But so, yeah, clearing the,
0: clear the air. <laughs> clear in that. the That's air. good. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and so, I mean, obviously, missing a bottle is, you know, not the, End of the world, but you know, I I mean, I know I've done races with untied shoes. I I have had issues during workouts where, you know, if I'm like particularly dehydrated, I'll like get nauseous. And so one of the things that I mentally prepared for when I was training for my first marathon was like, okay, what happens if you throw up during the race? You know, and like having to mentally prep myself for like, you know, if it happens, it happens. You just keep going. But uh, I guess the question for you is what's like the biggest running snafu that you've had happen to you during a race.
1: I've been really, well, first off, what would you do? Are you a puke and rally kind of guy? What have you decided that if you threw up in a race, what would you do?
0: I I mean, I think, I mean, the idea is that, you know, like any of that stuff, like whether it's missing a bottle or anything, it's like the panic is worse than what's actually happening. So like, basically what I was just like trying to mentally convince myself of is like, if it happens like that's not necessarily the end of the race. Like what you stop, you throw up, that's 10 seconds in a two hour plus race. Like, and I think like it's with all of that stuff, like, uh, you know, the, the cost of it is never like actually what happens. The cost is like the mental and physical energy you spend freaking out about it. So that was just like my personal, like that was the thing that I had to think about during, and, and, you know, even like, um, you know, like Marty talked about, uh, like taking a bathroom break during trials and, you know, that sounds like for so many people like crazy and unheard of, but like, when you think about it, it's like sometimes, yeah, like take the 20 seconds to save yourself, you know, probably more than 20 seconds of like suffering, you know, and, and over the, particularly over the course of longer races, it's like, you can do so much more damage than the actual problem, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, I've been lucky that, I mean, if, if I ever use the bathroom, I'd stop and I'd use the bathroom and probably then keep going. But for me, like I've dropped water bottles and I've missed water bottles, but I also miss water bottles and practice all the time too. So when that happens in a race, I'm like, well, if I miss that one, you know, and I bring an extra gel with me or I'll pick up extra water bottle or an extra water at like the next stop. So like, I know my like, well, that didn't work. Okay. What's my plan B. So I have that all kind of worked out that, um. Uh, stuff is going to go wrong. You know, like, I don't know, through Houston, I learned like nothing's going to be perfect, but good enough is good. You know, it's good. Good enough is good. So just, uh, you know, we'll settle for good enough.
0: I think also there's a piece of it too, where you coming, you know, sort of from the background that you've come, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of pros have never done a marathon without bottles before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I do think that part of the prep is like being like, well, if you've you know if you've done a race just on water cups like you know you you know that you can do it and that like yeah. it's not the end of the world you know
1: yeah i think the first i'm making up a number here maybe 5 or so marathons i did maybe 6 like i didn't have elite water bottles you know <laughs> i just would find out what the race had like oh they have gatorade i'm training with gatorade oh this one's powerade i'll train with powerade so i would train with whatever was going to be along the course um but yeah i'm used to not i mean it's a luxury it really is really cool to have your own water bottle like with your name (laughs) on it that you just pick up and you get to put whatever you want in there it's cool but it's not it's not necessary 99 percent of people that run marathons don't have that so yeah.
0: yeah it's definitely nice and uh so moving forward we chatted about this briefly at the finish line but so so no track no 10k champs for you um is is there sort of a conscious like The track is done for good or maybe not what's the plan kind of at least in the short term i think
1: i tried to keep a really open mind to the track and it takes me like one track race a year to learn nope (laughs) i really don't (laughs) ever want to do that again i mean i did uh a 10k already this year and i was beat up like my body was really beat up for more than a week after that race i couldn't work out probably for about a week and like my massage therapist is like, wow, I have, you weren't even this like beat up after the marathon, you know? So it really takes a toll that many laps and just every lap. I'm like, why am I running so many laps, you know, like, so that the experience itself wasn't even that incredibly joyful. So, um, yeah, so we're going to just stick to the roads. I think I learned that lesson, uh, maybe the easy way or the hard way. I don't know, but, uh, the roads are way more fun. So, I think I told you this, but like with running, it's always been about fun for me. So as soon as I'm not having fun, I'm like, deuce, like, (laughs) you know, so, uh, yeah. So let's stick to the roads. I think I'm better at that anyways.
0: Do you have any lingering, like, um, like I know, like across your whole set of track PBs, is there any one event that kind of sticks in your head? It's like, Ooh, I would really like to knock a couple seconds off this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, that um, time trial 5K I did in 2020, I ran 1504 and I'd like to break 15 minutes in the 5K. So maybe maybe there would be a fun opportunity somewhere to try to go after that. But um, yeah, so I think I will maybe be back on the track, but not in a really like competitive fashion, I guess.
0: (laughs) And uh, in keeping of uh, the... Doing, doing track for fun attitude, is there like, I mean, totally st- setting aside your, you know, actual professional running plans. If you could do another event in track and field that wasn't, you know, distance, what would you pick?
1: What well, would I be good at? It? That's my question.
0: Did, you don't have to worry about being good at it. Like I would say, like okay. I think I think pole vault is like the sexiest event. Like pole I would vault
1: love is definitely the sexiest. I <laughs> but I think if I could rock any event, it probably would be the shortest event, the hundred meters. I think if I could destroy a hundred meters, that's <laughs> what I'd be doing. But um, but yeah, I haven't been gifted uh, those talents, so I'm gonna have to run 26 miles to really show what I can do in the last point too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And if you bring, uh, you know, whatever it ends up being, uh, the next marathon, just bring blocks to the start, just to like, you know, yeah. really in people head.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I asked that when people are like, Hey, what do you need? I'm like, do you have blocks at the starting line of these road races? I prefer to start in blocks if possible. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's when you, the, the real diva comes out They're Like she seems so nice and down to earth. <laughs> and then she yeah, demanded you know, blocks. You think
1: I'm nice. You don't know me. I need blocks at the starting line. Yeah.
0: Well, that actually, so like. I was thinking about kind of what I wanted to talk about with you and, and I always kind of go back to like I'm just fascinated more than anything else by kind of like the media of track and field and the way that kind of branding and perception and um all that stuff kind of interacts with just you know the performance and I was thinking about it and I'm like I so there my mom is like the classic example where she you know vaguely follows running because of like me but she does not follow running mm-hmm. and i was thinking about it, i'm like she definitely does not know who Eliud kipchoge is but she has a team Demoto shirt <laughs> and like you i guess <laughs>
1: she has a team D'Amato shirt <laughs> uh
0: i will uh double down and say that uh my dad got it for her for her birthday
1: oh my god can you Um, tell your parents they're probably listening tell your parents i think they're awesome and (laughs) that's the world to me that they are part of team d'amato man my squad just got way cool
0: so i guess that's the question is like because she she loves like you and molly and and people that have kind of i think really broadened um you know running to a like bigger audience and i think like a really interesting way So I guess the question is like, what do you think it is about your story and your kind of like presence in the world that people who maybe don't follow track and field normally really resonate with?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that for me, I think what resonates a lot is that I quit, (laughs) but for eight to 10 years, I wasn't running, you know, I was just a spectator. And I think then I thought like, what if, Like, what would happen? Like, what would have happened? What could happen? What could still happen? And so I think the biggest thing that resonates with people is a lot of people have those what ifs and those things that maybe they quit and always wonder, like, what could have become. So I think that that's part of it. And so I think people that have done something and not necessarily even running in their past and they're really that was their passion. And then they're not doing it anymore because they're really being busy, being a parent or with a full-time job, but they still like, I was still calling myself a runner, even though I wasn't (laughs) running, you know, I was still cure the runner. But, um, so I think that resonates because, and then just people seeing, you know, me go for it and where that took me and how crazy it was that I quit and somehow found my way back and to levels like even better than in first round. Um, so I think that's it. But then I think also like, I'm having fun with it. And I think people see that and, you know, Molly's having fun with it too. And everyone definitely sees that. And I think that, you know, it's, it's running like we don't have to, some people can do really well, taking it really seriously. And other people like me, I'm kind of an anxious person already. So when I kind of lean into the fun aspect and kind of do things that excite me, that's where I can get the best out of myself. But I think um, it's, kind of, it's kind of fun to watch my my weird and wild journey. But what do you think it is? How about that? Why, why do you think?
0: I mean, I think a big part of it is authenticity. Like I, I've talked about this before where like, it's like coming off as authentic is mm-hmm. the hardest, like the hardest challenge in the kind of, you know, quote unquote, like the branding of, uh, you know, the way that athletes are kind of forced to like interact with you know the fans and the the media in our kind of social media age and you can always kind of like you can always like kind of smell it when someone is like not necessarily mm-hmm. like when it feels forced or it feels manufactured and i i you know even just like in my personal fandom like there are people who i i don't particularly like and like what it and sometimes it's easy to pinpoint why and then some point times i think it does come down to like i just i can have that sixth sense for like oh this feels like you're either like putting on a front or you're doing this for maybe not the right reasons or you're doing this out of a sense of you know obligation and and a lot of times that's not like you know the um the the runner's fault like that's a, a big like soapbox i have is like that's why i think brands should be investing way more in like actual like storytellers, like photographers, videographers, writers, people who can like take the really good runner and be like, here's why they're interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, I I also think part of it is the kind of underdog narrative. It's like, we always love like a Rocky Balboa, you know? And I think, it, you know, I was thinking about it a lot this weekend with like that, that kid, Gary Martin in uh, Pennsylvania. And like people love, you know, I really love Gary Martin. I think part of it is That, you know, it's like, oh, he's running sub four at like a high school race, not at the pre classic. And like, I think that, you know, for whether or not, you know, that's how you feel in the moment. Like, I think that's part of why people really like respected your story was this idea of like, oh, she just got there by like working and being good and not necessarily through a pipeline of, you know, privilege or access or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And I like, I'm getting, I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about this. I think one of the most beautiful things about this journey is I've just, I've so been myself, you know, I've put it like all out there and I was scared to go all in and see what I could do because I was so worried. Like, what if I came up short? And every time I answered that for myself, it's like, well, then you come up short, who cares? You know, no one expects anything out of you anyways, you know, but I've really like put even like my heart out there and it's been so beautiful that it's been accepted with like this, like I feel appreciated and respected and people genuinely, hopefully think I'm like an okay person, but like, to like put your authentic self out there and then be rewarded with people rooting for you like it's like a really beautiful like deep thing and it's like man like it's that's cool (laughs) that's real cool but I could see why that's also so scary you know at the beginning Mm -hmm. I'd like I'd post something on Instagram and I'd be like oh man this is really like capturing the heart of me you know do I want to post this and that's there's just an anxiety there because it's like well how do people when you're putting your real version out there like how are people going to react and I'm like, well, you know what? <laughs> this is me though. So this is what they get, you know? So, but that has been, I think, one of the most like beautiful parts of this journey for me is that um it's kind of just validated like who I am and my own weird, wild journey to get here.
0: I will say I like I will be the first to say that I was definitely one of those skeptics, like seeing, you know, literally seeing like the flow track video of like you getting paced to 1504 on a bike, being like, oh, there's no way like what the like there's like this, this, this woman's not going to, you know, thrive in like a real race like this is ridiculous. And like, were you aware, I, I guess, how aware were you at that time when that kind of like burst onto the scene as like uh, any potential like backlash of people thinking like, oh, like, who is this? She she isn't going to, you know, be able to back that up.
1: I'm sure everyone thought that. And that was okay. <laughs> you know, <I> was some <laughs> random woman from Midlothian, Virginia, that just time trialed. And like I had that workout that day. And then my um our friend Brandon Miles has a camera that and he, he was the one that starred Miles Stat and he works for track now. But we're like, hey, you want to come videotape this just because there's literally nothing else going on during COVID? And he was like, Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so I didn't I didn't <laughs> i didn't expect the wave that happened after that and then i also yeah i didn't expect people to really care i guess but um but yeah i still hadn't you know it was a time trial you know for a while i felt like i was just queen of the time trials and i'm like well you know at least i'm queen of something you know so that's okay
0: do you remember like the first time you like truly got like recognized you know as like oh that's like that's the Kira D'Amato like do you remember the first time that happened in a in a racing scenario or even on the street you know
1: yeah like at first people would be like oh hey Kira and I'd like turn around and they'd be like you I'm like (laughs) me you know and I still feel that way it's just it's pretty funny because like I'm 37 you know I've been running for 37 years and now all of a sudden I'm being recognized which is cool and it's funny because people like hey I you know do I mind do you mind taking a picture with me and they're like, we're so sorry to waste your time or take your time. And I'm like, do you realize how good about myself I'm feeling right now? Like you're really really good about myself. Why are you apologizing? This is a compliment, but, um, yeah, I don't really remember the first time, but, um, yeah, I remember one race. This was, I mean, it was in 2018. I finished a race and someone's like, Hey, are you that running realtor? And I'm like, Why, well, yes, I am. They're like, I have a house to sell. I'm like, well, let's uh let me cool down. Actually, my card. Let's cool let talk now. Yeah, I carry my card with me while I run. But yeah. So it's been uh yeah, it's a funny journey. That's all I did saying.
0: you so, you know, obviously, um you've raced a lot of, you know, really, you know, people who have been really good for a really long time. And I know we we all want to seem like cool and like that doesn't, that stuff doesn't get to us. But like, I definitely have had that happen to me. And I know it's happened to other people where you remember a time where like somebody that you kind of put on a pedestal, you're like all of a sudden like, oh, I'm on the line next to them.
1: Yeah, I feel that a lot. I think every time I like line up to race, I'm against, I'm on a line of someone I really like respect and look up to. But I've always like, even when I was really young, like whenever I'd get beat and I got, I've gotten. I've gotten beat far more times in my career than I've won, but I've always thought like, well, they're better than me today. You know, I got to work harder, going to get back to business. I'm going to like go show up. So the next time they're not better than me that day. So I don't know. So I've kept it really, I don't know. There's tons of women that I admire. And I mean, just seeing Alephine this weekend, like, I mean, that was the first time I met her in person and what an amazing person she is. Like I, I, she was so funny and so confident and so sweet and so fierce. It was just this like awesome competitor. And I just admire her so much. So like, I mean, I felt that on the line, but I also felt, well, I'm going to beat you today or I'm going to try to, I mean, that didn't work, but I'm going to try to beat her again the next (laughs) time. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny.
0: Everyone knows how much all of us in the City Sidious Mag family love track and field, and how much we enjoy sharing our love with you. Well, we've got a few big ideas in the works for the upcoming season, none bigger than what we've got planned for Eugene. Our summer of Hayward begins with the Nike Prefontaine Classic on Memorial Day weekend, which will also be the USATF 10,000 meter championships, and it continues through the rest of the USATF outdoor championships in late June which will, in turn, select Team USA for the World Athletics Championships in Oregon in mid-July. We'll be there for every competitive moment and hope to create some special moments of our own with interviews, analysis, watch parties, and all sorts of good stuff. Hayward Magic is gearing up for all the action happening this season, and they want to see how you're preparing for the summer events at Hayward, whether they're high school, collegiate, or professional level. Show them how you're preparing by sharing your training on Instagram using the hashtag make it to Hayward in the description. At Hayward Magic, we'll select and feature the gutsiest posts in their feed. Who knows, the best submissions might just be compiled into a highlight reel and end up on Hayward Magic forever. Learn more at sidiousmag.com slash summer of Hayward, and we hope to see you out there either virtually or in person this summer. watching kind of that, um, you know, situation, uh, happen for you. I think one of the cool things is again, both you and, and Sarah, you know, are kind of the people that everyone points to where, um, there's kind of a redefining of, you know, what it means to like, what's too old or like when you should be doing X or retiring or whatever, but it's hard, it's, you know, it's like hard to remember that it's, you know, it's like someone like Shalane's like, you know, was like a senior when you were a freshman in college, you know? Yeah, we were
1: the same, Yeah, we were, I think she was even, maybe she was only like two years ahead of me, maybe. So, yeah. So that was my generation. So it's been really funny to run in two different generations of runners. And, um, Yeah. I don't know. I just never believed the whole getting old stuff, you know, like 40 years ago, women weren't allowed to do a full marathon, you know, and it's like, we've, we've made a lot of progress and we're still making progress, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the scientists get a lot of stuff wrong. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, and there's always, you know, uh, there's also just every rule has an exception. Right. Or like, I think that people, people forget that sometimes where it's like, All this stuff that you should you quote unquote should or shouldn't do. It's like, well, that's the thing that, you know, might work for 80% of the population, but maybe it doesn't work for 20% or vice versa. And it's like, you know, don't look a gift horse in the eye. If it's working for you, to roll with it, you know? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe my trick was taking like 10 years off. Maybe that's why I still have a little life in my legs. I don't know. (laughs) I've been meaning to talk to you since you wrote that article after the Houston marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in the airport. I'm on the way home. I'm waiting for my bags and I'm reading your article and I'm just bawling. It was like, I just felt like you saw me, you saw what I represent and you saw how I got there. And, and you were just saying, we all should take something from this and kind of do it our way and lean into unique path or whatever. And like, I was bawling. There was someone sitting on the bench next to me and he's like, he didn't even ask if I was okay. He just got up and left. <laughs> but it was that just like, it just, it hit me just so deep in my heart, how beautiful your words were. And it was everything that I felt, but I am not articulate enough to say that. So thank you for that beautiful article. That was, uh, that was really, really well done.
0: Oh, uh, well now I'm going to start bawling. And, <laughs> um, for the, for the listener, I'm like, I did not bribe her to say that, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I really appreciate that. And I think like, you know, it's so hard, um, you know, for me personally, you know, I've had like a very up and down, um, you know, personal like running career since college. And like, I think one of the ways that I have found like really rewarding to like contribute to, you know, the quote unquote sport capital S is like by trying to uh, write about the things that I care about and feel strongly about. And I think like one of the things that I think is so great about your story is just this idea that like, when we think about what's good, you know, what's quote unquote, like good for the sport, it's like, why shouldn't we be creating as many avenues as possible for success? That's something, you know, aside from all the kind of, um, you know, great, wonderful, like heartwarming things about your story. Like, I think that's kind of the systemic, like the structural, um, piece of it that, that sometimes gets missed is like, this isn't, this doesn't have to be a unique story. It's just that we have a system that does not necessarily, you know, reward people for doing things differently than the kind of like, you know, power five conference stud all American to pro group to retired by 32, like pipeline. Mm -hmm. And that like, you know, if we want to see, if we you know collectively whatever that means as fans as us running as whatever want to see you know medals and records fall and all that other stuff like it behooves us to create a system that like can capture all that untapped talent out there you know
1: yeah and i think like that like going into that like my mentality has really evolved and changed and like leading into Houston, like I was the strongest mentally that I've ever been in my life. And it kind of took me to reframe some of the things like in my life that I saw as like disadvantages as advantages. And, you know, like for me, people are always like, Oh, you need to go train at a training camp in altitude. And my first response is I'm improving. Like, why, why would I change <laughs> I'm doing well where I am. So why would I change anything? But like, maybe it was that I was training at sea level at faster paces. And that allowed me then to lock into a pace that felt pretty comfortable because I've done nearly all my tempo work faster than my marathon pace, which you know, at altitude, you don't, I mean, it's pretty much impossible from what I hear to, to run that fast at altitude, but, um, and then training by myself. Like I'm able to like lock in and figure out when I'm having a good day, I can lock in and push it when I'm having a bad day. I don't ever extend myself. So maybe there is some, you know, I don't, I think it's a little tougher. Probably if I had a, like a buddy or a teammate, I would definitely encourage that and welcome that. So if anybody wants to move to Richmond <laughs> and train with me, here's like an open, uh, open casting call, but, um, But maybe that like led to it, you know, so it's all these things that make my training and my story different and unique, which I started realizing that that's kind of what makes me special. And maybe that's how I got to these found this success is through a little bit of a different path. And maybe it doesn't work for everyone, but, um, it seems to be working for me.
0: That's what you want. Right. From everyone is that like, there's many different ways, like there's not as much as some people on, you know, whatever Twitter, let's run, will tell you otherwise, there's no one way to be good at running. <laughs> um, yeah. and like there, I think that is a big piece of kind of like getting that, those wide variety of stories out there is being like, you know, there are so many routes to success and that, and if there are barriers to certain routes, like we should, Change that, you know, and I think like that is a big, um, I mean, not to, you know, focus on the negative, but like one of the conversations I had with um, some of the USATF folks about some of these road championships is this idea of, um, you know, transparency really benefiting folks that maybe don't have an agent and don't, you know, have access to the inside information about, oh, they haven't announced the half champs yet, but like, if your agent talks to somebody, they can figure out, you know, when they're gonna be. And that, you know, the, the cure de of the world who maybe are out there, who are literally just going to the website and looking at the calendar, right. you know, should have that same access to like success than anybody else does. And I think, you know, that's just one example. I think there's a ton of them of like kind of ways where we can like open the gates a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think that. And imagine too, if like we really, found a way to support and encourage so many different ways. Imagine like, not just like my story, but like dozens and dozens of other ones that have done it their own way. Perhaps, you know, it's just, we're gonna take our the American distance running to a whole new level with, you know, the, all these different paths getting there and we can all learn from each other and pick up on different things. So I think, yeah, encouraging the diversity is really
0: important. Did you have a little, uh, I guess, like hesitation um, when you were sort of making the decision to, you know, sign pro, sign with an agent, go with Nike. Like, were you kind of like, uh oh, am I, you know, like, is this selling out everything that got me here? Or like, what was that thought process like for you? <laughs> that was so
1: huge. I I didn't know if I wanted to like quote unquote take a sponsor because everything was working and I didn't want to rock the boat. And I was so proud that I was doing it without a sponsor like I was doing it my way and I was working real estate hard enough to pay for all my traveling and pay for all my shoes and to like support this like crazy adventure and I was really proud of that and so it almost did feel a little bit like selling out to do that but um I don't know I never hesitated with Nike though because I was already running in Nike shoes like all my favorite gear pieces are Nike and Nike approached me they're like listen you don't have to move. We don't have to change your coach. We're not going to tell you what to do. We just want to support you. So I'm like, okay, so I could just still be Kira model living in Richmond, Virginia, and, uh, and they'll support that. So that felt like a really natural partnership for me, but yeah, but there definitely, it was a lot of pride in, and it's funny. Cause I think it's a big thing in our sport to like go pro, you know, and that's, like a a goal of all of ours, but like, I just, there was a really like, yeah, big pride for me that I wasn't, and I was doing it differently. And I felt like a little bit like a disruptor that like, I didn't need that to, you know, reach my goals. So yeah, it was powerful.
0: And I think there's also freedom to, you know, again, moving forward, it's like, you can kind of have that, like, I know so many, particularly like my friends that run middle distance, there's kind of like a panic of like, every race has this, like, well, if I don't, like, I need to run this time or like, you know, it's all over for me, you know, financially, if nothing else. And so I I have to imagine it's also freeing to be like, it's nice to have this, you know, Nike check in the mail, but it's not the end of the world if it, you know, if something goes away or changes in the future.
1: Yeah. It's powerful that none of my decisions are financial at all. Even now they're not like, I'm still seeing how fast Kira can run. Like that's when I think about all of my races, all my decisions, my training, it's all to see like what my limits are. And it's really powerful that that is what dictates all of those decisions because it makes making decisions really easy. Like the Houston marathon, that was easy. Like, hey, I think I'm in shape to break the American record. I'm going to go run a marathon. Done, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that, I don't know, that that's helped. It just makes things a little clearer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know uh, obviously on a smaller scale but like i i've had that kind of thought process a lot with some of like the the you know media work that i do where i don't you know it's like i have a job and i have a you know primary source of income that is not this Mm -hmm. and that makes this so much more fulfilling and fun (laughs) that it's like i'm fully choosing to do it you know and i can just choose to not do anything i don't want to do and i think that
1: right right and (laughs) then yeah it like it just it frees you up that like i don't know i don't i don't know it's just it's just nice. And then when I'm not running, I'm thinking about other things. I'm not stressing about running. Like you can only run so much in one day and do your exercises and all the other extra things. But then when I'm done with that, I'm done with that. And I'm on to being like a mom or a realtor or whatever it is. So um, uh, yeah, I think that helps structure everything
0: for me, you know, there's only so much mental and physical capacity you can dedicate towards running. And so like driving yourself crazy, trying to pour in more than can fit in that bucket will ultimately backfire too
1: yeah yeah you don't need to overthink running it's pretty pretty straightforward
0: (laughs) Uh, on that note i have two mom related questions for you um so the first obviously being uh what is your what are your Is your coffee order and what are your coffee drinking habits like as a uh, very busy person?
1: (laughs) Okay, so this is this might be a little boring. So my coffee order, usually I wake up and my husband has made like a big pot of coffee. So I pour it into a mug and I put five ice cubes in black coffee. And that's my coffee order. Black coffee with Ice cubes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why five. Like I've tried three. But see, because when I wake up, I want coffee now. And right out of the pot, it's too hot to drink it now so i put some ice cubes in there and i don't know maybe that ratio waters down the black coffee a little (laughs) bit but i'm so boring so when i go to like a starbucks or something they're like what do you want and i'm like hmm i don't i don't even know how to tell what size cup i want i want the the medium one with some coffee in it that's i think (laughs) but yeah so yeah black coffee
0: five cubes. i agree with you on the black coffee part and also the immediacy part because i literally Make I prep the coffee maker the night before so I can just hit start when I like get out of bed in the morning. So I'm with you on that 100%.
1: Yeah. The other morning I come in and my daughter's like, she's five in kindergarten. She's like, hey, mom, can you explain to me multiplication? (laughs) <laughs> now, listen, I haven't had coffee yet. And this is a really big topic before we catch the bus today. So we're let's uh let's pause this. We can discuss it when you get home from school if it's still on your mind. <laughs>
0: yeah. Also, there's new ways to do it now that none of us understand. So
1: <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. you're better suited just waiting until fourth
0: grade. Wait till yeah. third grade and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is uh what are their uh favorite books right now? Because that was
1: always- Oh man. So this is funny too. So Tommy just started texting like when I've been traveling a lot. We've set it up now on his computer that we can text back and forth. And now that he's texting, he's Tommy 2.0. So he wants to be called Thomas. So I now my son's name is Thomas now, and that's okay. a little weird to get used to, but, um, <laughs> we're reading the Christmas pig right now by JK Rowling. So it's interesting so far. So good. We're only maybe like 10 chapters in. So that's a book with him. And then, uh, Quinn is really into this like rebus poem book where it's like she can read it cuz there's a lot of pictures instead of the words. So it's like every and then a picture of a bird, loves it and then a picture of a tree. So she's like memorized the words and she can read the whole book. So uh, that's a fun one. I think it's called I Love You or maybe something along those lines. <laughs> but, yeah, so those are the those are the books right now.
0: And then obviously what is the uh, movie or TV show that you are most sick of having to watch these days?
1: <laughs> oh man. Um You know, Frozen is one. I'm just over that, man. I like, you know, the songs are, the songs are good, but I'm over watching Frozen. I'm still like the Encanto. I'm still on that train and I love the music for that one, but I think that we're getting close to being, uh, maybe, maybe overplaying that a little bit. And then TV shows, we don't watch a lot of TV. Oh, they watch one like Pip and Freddy with like I don't know, they deliver like baby animals to their home. It's a stork, a cartoon stork, and they deliver the babies to their home. And uh, yeah, that one, uh, I mean, it's it's cute and all, but man, I, I've had enough of that one. Not too. for
0: you. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I'm good. I'm good without that. Yeah, you guys can watch it on mute maybe.
0: Well, of course, we were a big Arthur family. So I was like retroactively sad to hear that Arthur is officially ending or I think officially ended a couple of months ago. Like,
1: I didn't know that. I didn't hear that.
0: I think they still do. their like the reruns all the time. So like it's still on PBS, oh, but like the new episodes are over, which is very sad. But oh, um,
1: that's too big.
0: Hard. Big Arthur guy. We still the youngest child in my family is sixteen now, um, and we still watch the Arthur Christmas special every year because my uh, mom is deranged. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all have our things, you know. We yes, all exactly.
0: <laughs> Um, And then last but not least, like, what is, what is the treat yourself move right now? Like nothing to do with running or like kids or family. Like if you were just like left alone for self-care, either Um, what do you do or what do you like most want to do, but never have the time or energy to do?
1: Yeah. Um, so it, it depends what kind of, if I have energy, I love organizing things. So like, I recently just redid my closet. And that was really satisfying. So if I have like extra time, I'll probably organize, but, um, if I'm exhausted, then it's just TV, man. I love, I love a TV show. I love like a movie or a TV marathon. I like TVs, like those, you know, really getting, getting some episodes in. So, yeah.
0: What did, what did you most recently binge watched? Uh, not Whoa. with the kids. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. What did I, well, I love survivor. Chris and I, we love Survivor, <laughs> yeah. man. So that's, I think that's what I most recently watched, but, um, Ozarks, I'm in the fourth season of that. So that's, uh, that's always a good one. And, uh, oh, I just watched Murderville with, um, uh, Will Arnett. Have you heard of this one?
0: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. No,
1: it's really funny. So it's like this whole scene is, it's like a whodunit mystery. And, but they bring in like a celebrity guest that knows nothing about the whole scenario. So everyone has lines except for the celebrity guest. So they bring like Conan O'Brien in and he has to like navigate his way through this scene with everyone else being acting and he has no idea what's going on. So that was pretty funny. I liked that one.
0: That That is a great concept. I, I love that. We recently like rewatched, not the whole thing because we can't bear to do it, but the th- first three seasons of Arrested Development, which like I think are some of the greatest television to ever exist <laughs>
1: great, great. like the other day they had like i think it was the first season on arrested development so i was i was whooping through those man that show oh, yeah. is so funny do you have a favorite quote from that or favorite episode or favorite like moment
0: um well the literal coffee mug i'm drinking out of right now <laughs> is uh, you see is Lucille still blue <laughs> yeah yeah the front says breakfast and the back says and a piece of toast so oh. I do love the line where she's like, get me a vodka rocks. And Michael's like, Mom, it's breakfast. And he goes, and a piece of toast. <laughs> so I the whole that's, great. I'm like terrified of so I got this on Etsy probably almost a decade ago. Um, like literally so long ago. And I think like I've I'm more afraid of brick because it's like a ceramic mug, like those things yeah. break all the time. Like yeah. I literally keep it like I only hand wash it. I keep it all away from all the other mugs. A because like I'm a crazy person, but also like I know I'm like I like this Etsy store no longer exists. I've never seen this anywhere else. Like I think if I broke it, I could not replace it. Oh, so yeah, that's that's you'd like,
1: have to like, your own. You'd be getting a sharpie marker with that. You'd be going to one exactly. of those <laughs> mug stores or whatever. Did yeah, you ever I mean, like this creek?
0: Oh, yeah, big shit. Okay. I feel
1: like that's kind of a rusted development a little
0: bit here. Yeah. that was good. That, that show is fantastic. And so like, I think also, also like still positive, like I think that like I, there's all, you know, all this like prestige TV that I'm like, at some point I want to watch, you know, whatever, all of the Sopranos. But like when you like have just had like a long day and you doubled and you made dinner and you're like, I, I need something more like just like life-affirming and like, for me, it's like, yeah, like shitts Creek, Parks and Recreation, like just sometimes funny light shows are just like what you wanna mindlessly rewatch for the 10th time.
1: I'm right there with you, yeah, All right.
0: All um, right, oh, before we get to our final questions, um, one, I was just curious, wanted to know, uh, have you ever run a beer mile? And if so, what is your personal best?
1: Okay, uh, no, I have not, because I think it <laughs> would be a, small miracle for me to drink four beers in a row. I just don't think <laughs> I can do it. I'm terrible at drinking beer or really just like chugging anything, not, not a strength. So, um, don't think I'm ever going to do that. I think my husband would be awesome at it. I think I need to get him <laughs> into like a beer mile <laughs> because I think he would do, he would, he would be great, but yeah, I I think I would be really, really, really bad at it.
0: I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I ran like a decent one in college and I've like attempted, I, I'm just not a good chucker. And I like attempted one a couple of years ago for a friend's birthday. And I was like, I think my body has lost the ability to like put myself through this.
1: <laughs> I one beer and I'm tipsy. Like I, cause I don't drink so a lot usually ever. But so if I drink one beer, I would just. I would just be be running like backwards around the track, figuring out how to cut through. I'd be like streaking through the middle. So yeah, I would not, uh, I don't think a beer mile on me would ever go along, but I'd love to witness and I could cheer. Um, I could be the official starter. I could set up people's blocks if they need to block the beer mile. I could do that. But so what was your time for the beer mile?
0: Uh, I was like eight something. Um, but then awesome, I, I also did like a 22 minute one. So, like, it, there's a wide range, but I, I have run a, I think, sub six chocolate milk mile, which I think is a more impressive stat. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> even worse, man. <laughs> I sad. was like, Aww. what we did in high school before, like, you know, it's like, oh, they're not going to let a bunch of high schoolers drink beer on a track, nor should they. Um, and so, like, but we you did said chocolate sub milk mile. Six? Yeah.
1: That's really fast, man.
0: Yeah. It's easier because wow. it's not carbonated. So as long as your stomach can like handle the dairy,
1: which okay. it could when I
0: was 17, yeah. um, <laughs> it's it, it can t- typically be faster. But uh, yeah, that was a fun one too. That's
1: impressive, man. That's real impressive. Yeah. I don't have any crazy record. I think I'd be good at like backwards running. That's I think if like I had to pick like in, like a crazy event with running, I think I could do pretty good backwards running. Okay
0: backwards smile that talk about running for fun just like one yeah. day we'll see what the record is and yeah uh, like, give me it. give me
1: like 10 years or so on that one uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna start training for that one
0: quite yet yeah um awesome well we wrap up every episode uh with the same three questions of all our guests um so the first is uh your instagram crush um which As we've said many times before, like doesn't have to be a crush crush, like it can be like a dog account or like a funny TikTok or something Um, like it can really, you know, run the gamut of what you find to be entertaining on the Internet. But what is what has caught your eye recently?
1: So my Instagram crush is an account. I think it's called the hilarious Ted or Ted hilarious. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, he like um it's animal videos that he like <laughs> like does a voiceover on and usually it's animals like running like a goat like charging at a human and like <laughs> he like he always goes cram while they're like you know head like a human into the water or something or like a motorcycle so it's like I don't know it's just what animals are like oh you think you're getting away from me cram so that's uh that's probably my favorite one we went into bumper cars like on Mother's Day that's what we did on Mother's Day and so like my whole family we all watched the counts whenever we'd hit each other we'd be like cram so
0: I love that it. if you uh God forbid like if you do have to you know throw an elbow in a race or something like that you can just <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome well next is your go to karaoke song someone sings you hands you the mic it's your time to shine what are you singing.
1: Okay, I need to find a new one, because the last time I did karaoke, I did the song I'm about to share with you, and it did not go over well. So I thought the werewolves in London would be a good one. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was, I'm not a great singer, so I thought it was like a monotone enough voice, and then all you had to do was howl, and uh, that was an awkward one. There's a lot of awkward space in that song that uh, enough, you know, even interpretive dancing can't <laughs> read, so um, yeah, I need a new one. I'm actively looking for a new one. Um, one that doesn't get too high or too low, that kind of just like stays right there in the middle and you don't need any vocals, but do you have, what's your go-to?
0: I have, a, it changes all the time. Um, I will say, uh, if you need like a s- easy range one, like most Taylor Swift songs are not vocally challenging. Okay. And there go. I always say the, the, like the best way to do it, if you like me are like pretty tone deaf is just, mm-hmm pick a song that, you know, everyone will sing along to, and then it rounds out your voice. And that's like the, usually the, the crowd pleaser effect. Can yeah. Kind of carry I the,
1: find the also way. like what you lack in like vocal awareness, you can make up for in like energy. Oh, so sure. Like, really going for it, people can get behind that too. It's when like you're not that great of a singer and then you also look uncomfortable, that's when it gets awkward. But if you just like really go for it and commit, I find that that uh, makes it, you know a little a little more
0: enjoyable. yeah I think the last time I did karaoke I sang a uh, part of your world from Little Mermaid and like yeah that was like a full body performance of you know including the emotion and yeah that makes up for the shitty singing hopefully
1: <laughs> yeah that's good that's good
0: and then last but not least your death row meal if you're going to the chair you get to eat one more thing whatever you want to eat what are you eating
1: Okay. This is going to be so boring, but it's like my favorite meal. I eat it all the time weekly. And it's like my pre-race meal. Also, just cause it's my favorite, like my mom cooks dinner on my birthday. It's what I asked for, but it's chicken and rice. And then an artichoke that would be like a steamed artichoke, not the like fake artichoke hearts, like the real artichoke. Um, That's my favorite meal, man. I just love chicken, rice, artichokes. And then I'd probably have like way too much ice cream and get like a stomachache afterwards. So that's probably where- well, it
0: doesn't matter if there's ever a time to have too much ice cream.
1: <laughs> I know, just go for it. on out. <laughs> oh, chicken, that's rice, a- artichoke, and then overload on ice cream.
0: That is a, that sounds like a good one to me um, that uh, my, I'll throw them under the bus now. My boyfriend uh, d- it doesn't like ice cream, but likes milkshakes, which I think is like a insane thing. About him, um, Don't you realize that's what's in milkshakes. Well, he'll, he'll like eat ice cream. It's not that he like doesn't he won't eat it. It's just that like he's not that's not his preferred dessert at all. um And and he would vastly prefer a milkshake, but is not a particular fan of ice cream.
1: You know what? I can get behind that because and I'm you know what? Maybe I'm gonna like really out myself right now. But I feel the same way about donuts. I kind of think they're overrated, you know? So it's like, if I'm going for dessert, I'm not going to go for a donut. Like if I want something like really sugary and dessert, it's not a donut for me. I mean, they look really cool and they always like pull me in because they're so colorful and cool. But that's exactly how I feel about donuts.
0: My controversial take on donuts is like, I think, you know, like the trend, like I'll probably like lose all my West Coast followers right now, but like the Voodoo Donuts where it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. 1500 calories and it's enormous and i'm like Mm -hmm. that can go too far where it's like i i do like a creative donut flavor but when it's like so rich that like you literally can't eat more than a quarter of it without going into like a sugar coma i'm like well, what's the point of this like i i I want a whole donut and i physically can't finish this and i'm a big sugar person so it's not like a like healthy eating thing um but I think uh, a, a balance of of donut uh, craziness is definitely
1: yeah. <laughs> this is one of the hard things about getting older. Is like I can't eat as much sugar. Like I get sugar headaches very easily now. So I feel like take my eyesight, but like leave me the sugar. You know, like <laughs> come
0: on. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm like a big unfortunately. It's like probably the worst thing for my running. But like I'm a big candy guy. Like love a jelly bean. Love a Mike and Ike. And like that. I've slowly like you know grown out of like being able to just in one sitting take down a bag of jelly beans but it's still at like half a bag (laughs)
1: okay so you pull over on a road trip you get like a box of the Mike and Ikes hey do you remember when they had a fight and they like crossed out oh yeah (laughs) that was really strange I never quite understood what happened there but I I hear they're back together and everything's fine but okay so you get a box how long does it take you to eat that box of Mike and Ikes
0: on a road trip like you know, it, I'll just eat it till it's gone. Like that's oh, like, okay. I won't save it for multiple sessions. Like it's okay. literally the, like a big bet, ba- like, you know, like a 14 ounce bag of jelly beans. Like I can't do that in one sitting anymore. I like used to be able to, but okay. I was going oh, to- we Do oh, you yeah. eat like
1: one at a time and for the flavor? So you like seeing what the flavor is and eat it or are you like just handfuls, doesn't matter. Just
0: put it all in there. Handful and then prioritize the flavors within the handful um so yeah that's why are you so similar question if you're like either at cvs or like stopping in the road trip are you like fruity candy or chocolate candy
1: fruity but it's because i already have my chocolate candy in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, I have I this already. I don't, I don't leave the house without a few pieces of like a dove dark chocolate so i got that under control so if i'm buying candy it's always fruity candy yeah
0: I wonder if that's part of that for me too, because like we always had like my dad loves M&Ms, and so we always had like M&Ms in the house growing up. And like maybe just the accessibility makes it less special. Yeah. Whereas like we didn't like you had to go out and like spend your allowance on watermelon sour patch. Like that was like.
1: <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. Uh... It was funny after, um, after I had Quinn, I was invited to a bachelorette party and it was like my first time out since having a baby. And like, again, I'm like, well, I'm going out. I need my chocolate cause I don't go anywhere. So I put it in my like jean pockets and then we get out to like some club and I realized it was still in there. So I'm like pulling <laughs> it out, but by then it was all melted and I'm like, man, this is like my first night out. Like I'm like totally failing at this. Cause now I have chocolate all over my pants and then I'm trying to like lick it out of the wrapper. It was, yeah, that was <laughs>
0: You're like, I have one kid and then two kids. I know, like, two kids, and I'm
1: just out of not it. Not yeah. cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can't take me anywhere. Yeah.
0: Um, awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. This is, uh, I hope uh, we got into different grounds than uh, previous episodes. I think we did. Um, this uh, is fun. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Ah.